Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. And uh, the assistant director, Adam McDowell, I've talked to him about it, and we're hoping to get him on to talk more about that. If you're interested in having your student or if you are a student in high school and you'd like to participate in a series of uh, playoffs or tournaments or however they would determine that, uh, we'd get the information out there for you. Uh, that would be a, a winter sport, and they're talking about a championship would probably be sometime in March. And they have been contacted, and I'm talking about the Louisiana High School Athletic Association many times, about bass fishing by the schools and, and groups, uh, some that were interested in sponsoring it, like the FLW and the Bassmaster Tours. Uh, they have youth and high school events already from some of their affiliate groups, and this could just spin off of that and continue as an official high school sport. They sent surveys out to the 404 schools that are member, and they got 223 uh, responses. 173 of those said that they wished that the LHSAA would put bass fishing in as a sport, and that is over 100 more than the minimum number they need for adding a new sport to the LHSAA. So there's a, a lot of demand and a lot of requests for it, and we'll find out how this plays out. Now, how it would all be structured, well, that would all have to be worked out. If it's a playoff format, uh, similar to the sports like football or baseball or basketball, the state is divided into different divisions and sections and districts, and they would advance, possibly could have four regional tournaments, you know, maybe two in North Louisiana, two in South Louisiana, and then uh, have the winners advance and have fish-offs. So anyway, it's a very interesting uh, concept, and, Hopefully it will be able to continue and they'll get this adopted. There'll be a lot of other things to address. You know, uh, they're talking about sponsorship from VL, VLW and Bassmaster, but, you know, they also require that they get some publicity out of it and their sponsors do and how that would work with uh, high school athletics where there would be endorsement or money exchange. I don't know if it could be paid to the schools. Uh, certainly the, the players wouldn't be able to to capitalize on it so anyway some just odds and ends details that we need to get well hopefully we can get at him if not we're also going to talk to john weiler uh, he's the author of that booklet i was telling you about earlier how to fish and hunt and still have a happy marriage so as soon as we can get him on the line we'll talk to him about that booklet and he also wants to make it available for you so you can uh, check that out and uh, i think there's some really good common sense issues that he brings up in that booklet and we'll get him on as soon as we can all right. I uh, also want to remind you about orphaned wildlife. You know, this comes about every year, about this time of the year. Uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries sends these reminders out. And for me to remind listeners, when you're out there in the woods, uh, it happens that sometimes you come across young wildlife. And uh, the parents of it, and this is particularly with, uh, like, fawns with white-tailed deer, uh, they'll be out hunting or foraging and intend to come back. Most of the time, they'll leave uh, twice a day, and, you know, they might 
uh, wait for a response from the young and then come back to it when they hear it. Um, a lot of times people find them alone and uh, while the, the, the parent is out and they think that it's been abandoned. And so they're out of concern and, and really goodwill. They think they're doing good by taking them and saying, well, i got to you know, adopt this orphan and take it home and feed it. And Well, that's actually the complete opposite thing that you should be doing. Uh, the recommendation is if you encounter to a, uh, if you encounter wildlife that appears to be orphaned, uh, best thing to do, and sometimes it's hard, leave it, because you would be allowing the parents to return and continue to care for their offspring. Uh, if you encounter a fawn, you really should leave the area immediately. Don't touch it or interact it. Fawns are, are scentless, and that's a uh, protection device uh, by not being able to be scented by predators. So a lot of times the does will go out to, to feed and they'll leave the fawn alone. They don't bring the fawn with them, but they'll come back to it. Uh, but a lot of times people will discover them and pick them up and take them and put their hands on them and contaminate them. And, you know, it's very difficult to, to care for orphaned wildlife. And it's not just fawn, you know, it could be rabbits. Uh, this is springtime and uh, raccoons, any young animals, but it's actually illegal to, to, to possess those animals without permits. Uh, if, in fact, you, you do find one that you're positive is either injured or it has been orphaned, uh, you should note the location of where it was and then notify a Department of Wildlife and Fisheries biologist. Uh, you can find the regional office listings on the website. Uh, and then this is always that immediate enforcement number that's manned 24-7. That's 800-442-2511. You're going to find that number printed on the back of your hunting or fishing license. And, you know, you can pretty much use that number to call and notify them. If they don't come out and respond, they will refer you to the person that does. All right, we've got a few more things to talk about. Got some guests coming up. We'll be back to do that right after this timeout. You're listening to More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. All right, welcome back into More Outdoors. Thanks for being with us and spending part of your Easter weekend with us here on the radio. Boy, if you heard the reports this morning, kind of rough out there, and it's a shame because uh, the conditions are so good temperature-wise, clear skies, no rain, humidity is even down a little bit, kind of a high pressure, which is all that's great for turkey hunting, but for fishing, not so much. Uh, Those high winds that are going, we had a small craft advisory, which should be coming down shortly but we'll persist with the dirty water until all that calms down. Uh, wind direction uh, coming out of the north, northwest, which means pretty much muddy and low conditions in some areas, uh, particularly down in the St. Bernard and the Plaquemines marshes. We got reports this morning of some extremely low water, some as low as three feet down. That's almost like wintertime tides and uh, can be hazardous and you don't want to risk getting stuck out there and having to wait for a tide to come up or even worse, calling CETO or somebody to come out there and get you. So be careful if you're planning a trip out there. Tomorrow going to be much nicer. Wind should uh, slow down and shift direction back to the south, which uh, makes saltwater fishermen happy because that brings in some of that clear, salty water, which is badly needed. Been a high, high river, both the Mississippi and the Atchafalaya, and even some of our smaller rivers that service the uh, North Shore area. They have been high. We've had an awful lot of rain. And hopefully it uh, looks like the next few days we're not going to have a whole lot. And if you're going to be out hunting or fishing, one thing we want to remind you to do is make sure you keep a happy marriage, which brings up our next topic. And this is a booklet that's written by John Weiler called 
How to Fish and Hunt and Still Have a Happy Marriage, which should be of importance to anyone who is married or even considering getting married. John, thanks for being with us, and thanks so much for writing this book. Uh, a lot of common sense in it, but you also put a lot of thought into it. Thanks, Don. Thanks for having me on the program. Yes. Actually, the book came out of a conversation my wife and I were having here some years ago. We were driving to Baton Rouge, and she said to me, um, do you think you're hunting and fishing during the earlier parts of a marriage when the kids were young and we were raising kids impacted our marriage? And I really hadn't given the matter a lot of thought, and I started to reflect, and I told her, I said, well, Maybe I would do things a little bit different when the kids were young. And she says, how would you do things differently? And I gave a bunch of suggestions and gave it some thought. And she said, well, why don't you reduce it to writing? And maybe you can help a young couple where the husband is out fishing and hunting and the wife is home taking care of the kids. And so that was the um, purpose and the motivation for the book, uh, hopefully to benefit a um, young couple, benefit their marriage, marriage enrichment. Uh, and uh, the other reason, Don, was my wife and I are involved in a three-part Ignatian prayer series called Lord Teach Me to Pray. And in the back of the book, there's a reference to the website. And so we're encouraging people to go to that website and encouraging people to uh, look at Lord, teach me to pray. So here the book came off the press uh, recently, and uh, after many years thinking about it. But the the book is divided, as, as you know, in sort of 10 chapters or raises 10 issues. And there's a narrative part, and then there are pictures. And the pictures are meant to be humorous, and the narrative part is meant to be serious, and it addresses uh, 10 different issues. Yeah, and those are all good. And, you know, there's an old saying, uh, uh, an ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. So this is also appropriate for those who may be contemplating marriage or single, right. but at right. some point uh, they're into the hunting and fishing big time, but they're also into a relationship and uh, you, problems could arise from that if it's, if the if the discussion doesn't happen before. But if it even happens after, I think your book is invaluable to doing that too. If you could just kind of briefly talk about the chapter, the chapters that are in it, and some of the the topics that you bring. Yeah, up. I think I personally found um, in the discussion in chapter six the one most challenging, and that is hunting and fishing um, during holidays. Holidays are natural uh, to try to go hunting. And typically, the, the hunting seasons are over Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Uh, the guy may have time off, and you'd say, well, this is a good time to go. Uh, on the other hand, you have to recognize that holidays are very stressful uh, for a wife, especially a young wife, raising children, uh, preparing for the holidays, either in terms of travel or getting meals and presents and all of that. Uh, so there's this natural conflict where he may want to go hunting and she may want him home helping prepare for the holidays. 
So that's one of the issues that is addressed in Chapter 6. Family emergencies is another issue that's in Chapter 5. I talk about typically hunting and fishing takes a certain amount of preparation and planning. And then, especially with young children, emergencies come up uh, spur of the moment. And they typically, uh, not typically, they often come up just when you're ready to go. Uh, and then, you know, the issues presented, should you go, should you not go? Um, and the spouse will, of course, think, well, you're abandoning her with the family, leaving her with a family emergency while you're out hunting and fishing. Uh, in Chapter 8, um, I set forth and discuss what I think is a very good rule that uh, a husband should consider spending as much time with his wife as he's spending and doing things that she enjoys as he might spend hunting and fishing, uh, sort of balancing uh, the time. Uh, that will, I think, greatly enhance the marriage and um, uh, make for a better marital relationship. And then I close with uh, Chapter 10, where I say that uh, the time we spend hunting and fishing is not counted in the time that is allotted on this earth. That's a quote from someone else. Now, I say, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know uh, it is true that the time spent fishing and hunting is not spent time working on the marital relationship. Um, and uh, hunting and fishing, as we all know, can be can be addictive. So uh, uh, that time is not spent working and being with your wife, and that, I think, needs to be considered. You know, your, uh, also your chapter on communication, I think, is right. extremely important about staying in touch. Because now with the technology, you know, it used to be in the old days, you were back, you know, in isolated places where there were no landline telephones and it was hard to stay in touch. But now with all the different devices and the, the heightened communication that we've got, there's no reason because, you know, it's always reassuring to know two things. One, that the person that you care about is, is safe to hear from him. Another thing is that, you know, they're thinking about him while they're out there doing that. No, I think, Don, you're absolutely right. And the problem is if you don't, uh, the wife knows, of course, how easy it is to communicate. We all have cell phones. And if you don't, that's almost a, a little bit of a slap in her face by saying, well, uh, he, he wasn't thinking about me. He couldn't pick up the uh, cell phone and call. Uh, so the guys don't, like you said, don't have the excuse they had years ago and says, well, I couldn't get near a pay phone or there was no phone in the boat, et cetera, et cetera. Now with cell phones, uh, there really is no excuse for not doing that. You know, and a little bit of a, a preemptive action can, can help too. And, and I guess that kind of gets back to the communication, but I think a lot of times if if a spouse doesn't, if she's not into hunting or fishing or was not raised with her family, uh, they don't really understand how passionate somebody can be about right. that. And that right. those activities right. and those moments 
are so much more special than than things like going to baseball games or football games. And because it is precious, and maybe by taking the time to explain that to a spouse, that how important this is, number one, it it will kind of ease her mind about, well, it's just taking me really lightly to go do something like fishing. But if she understands how passionate he is about that, then she can appreciate why he's so adamant about doing it. But also, when he takes time away from doing the fishing or hunting, that even means so much more because now she understands the big sacrifice that he's making and how much he really does care about it because it's something that's that important he's putting aside for her. And I think that is really key in the whole situation. You know, it's a point well taken, Don. It's a point well taken. Yeah, I think the way to look at it is the wives may think when we're out hunting and fishing, we're out on a vacation. We're out enjoying ourselves in the sense we we are. So she, especially during the younger, the earlier years of marriage, I should say, when the kids are home and she's stuck and sometimes um, she's working in the house and she's working outside the house and she feels, you know, she's carrying this double burden and here's the husband, you know, out fishing on a vacation, having a good time while she's home. So um, I think that's a, communication that's a recipe and explaining. For conflict, yeah. It's a recipe for conflict. Communication and, uh, between the spouses, I think, is essential in those kind of issues. Absolutely. But that, that was you know, the reason. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, the book is written from the standpoint of the man in his relationship with the wife. But i got to tell you, it could be reversed. I have some female friends who are very adamant about their fishing and hunting, and their husbands are not into it. So it, it, it conversely can also work right. the other way around. Right, right, right. It's just a question of substituting husband for wife in those kind of situations, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, I guess an ideal situation would be the husband and wife both enjoy it, and they do get to spend time, both of them, involved in fishing and hunting. Yeah, then they're both on a vacation, and a lot of these issues don't arise if they're both enjoying it, yes. And, a lot of times and that won't help your book. <laughs> that won't help the book. But a lot of times, I right. think, is just getting and introducing the wife to the joys of fishing and hunting. Uh, you know, some ladies obviously just can't see the joy in it, but right. others, because they haven't been used to it. So that might be an effort worth taking, introducing yeah, the wife to say- them. I always say fishing and hunting is not for everybody, and thank God it's not because they wouldn't have a spot to go if everybody was into it and all shared the same enjoyment. Uh, John, if you would, uh, people that are interested in getting a copy of this, how is it available? Well, uh, we're giving it away free, and all they need to do, uh, that's assuming there's not too big of a demand for it, uh, but all they have to do is email me, and ask for give the address, and we'll mail it. It's J Weiler W E I L E R at wrtaxlaw dot com. J Weiler at wrtaxlaw dot com. So just send me an email, and we will drop a copy with the address, of course, and we will drop a copy in the mail to you. 
That's very generous of you, John. And, and, and being in the radio business as long as I have, I know a huge portion of the audience is listening in vehicles while they're driving and didn't have time to jot that down. So what I'm going to do is, is they know how to get in touch with me through several sources. I've got several emails, and if they will just send me that information, their name and their address and a request for the book, I will send those, pass them along to you, and you can send them out to them. That sounds great, Don. Thank you. Well, John, again, thank you so much for, for doing this. I think this little tiny booklet is going to go an awful long way in a lot of people's lives in a very big way, and, and thank you so much for doing it. We really Well, thank you for having on me on the show, Don. Thank you. Very good. Thanks. Have a happy Bye-bye. Easter and uh, best hunting and fishing trips. Today. Same to you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. John Wyler, the author of that book that we just talked about, How to Fish and Hunt and Still Have a Happy Marriage. Ladies, if you are the fisher and hunter in your family and you'd like a copy of the book, uh, just contact me or John. He gave out the address, and I'll give it out again right after the break in case you need time to get down a pencil and paper and jot it down or punch it into your phone or whatever type of communication form you use. But if it's easier, send the request to me. I will be glad to pass them along to John. All right, we're coming back. Got some more time. Uh, I want to talk a little hunting, fishing, speckled trout, turkeys, fishing rodeos. Uh, oh, you know what I want to talk about? The the Victoria's Secrets Amber Romance as a gnat repellent. Man, this thing is just really taking off. Going to tell you about that and a whole lot more right after we pause for this break. You're listening to More Outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. And welcome back in More Outdoors as we head into, uh, for some folks, big spring break. Uh, time, some extra time to get out there and enjoy the great outdoors, do some fishing. Uh, all these open hunting seasons, turkey right now, and that's getting ready to wrap up. But, uh, boy, getting some pretty good reports in on the turkey conditions. So hopefully you can get out there and get you a gobbler. Also, we are going to talk about that red snapper allocation. Uh, the season dates were set now. Both Louisiana and Alabama has their set. We'll get to that. But uh, we now have the assistant director of the LHSAA, Louisiana High School Athletic Association, on the line with us, Adam McDowell, uh, to talk about that possibility of getting uh, bass fishing, tournament bass fishing, as an approved sport in the yeah. Athletic Association for Louisiana. Adam, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, good morning, Don, and happy Easter weekend to you. Uh, it's been a great See? week. <laughs> a little bit of weather here, but we're doing all right. Yeah, well, I, ju- I just got back from Kansas, so I-, I missed the bad part, and I got back just in time to enjoy some of this really good weather. Uh, we've been telling people about this exciting news about the, the possibility of bass fishing being accepted as an official sport until LHSAA. Right. Kind of give us a little bit of the background on that move and the topic, the issue, and then what it's going to take from here to, to actually get it in. Well, it, it's kind of been a long time coming. You know, uh, we've had a lot of principals call in and, and ask about it. Um, some schools inquire, some parents inquire, um, and it just never really got the traction. Uh, and I think there were proposals at one point in time, and then it fizzled out. So uh, I don't know where the ball dropped, but clearly we have a ton of uh, high school-age fishermen that are, that are ready to go. Uh, so what happened kind of where I got involved was last summer we had our national conference for the national Federation of High Schools in Chicago. And we have about, I think, six or seven other state associations that have adopted the sport of bass fishing. So just in passing conversation, I spoke with some of those assistant directors, and, and they're asking me how on earth does Louisiana not have this as an official sport for the LHSAA? And I said, I have no idea, but I'm going to look into it. Well, we fast forward to uh, February, 
and I'm the director of wrestling for the state, and I'm up in Shreveport. And um, I think Fishing League Worldwide, the FLW, puts on a couple of tournaments up there. And it just so happens that uh, they uh, were in the conversations with us up there with uh, when I was with the Shreveport Bossier Sports Commission staff. Um, and so I actually got on the phone um, with the FLW, and they said, hey, we would love to uh, get involved and, and help you all run a ski tournament for you. Um, they put on Illinois State Tournament for them. Illinois has the sport of bass fishing and also Kentucky. And they run a turnkey event from them using either existing bass fishing tournaments or creating some more for that state series qualifiers. So I said, absolutely, I'll look into it. Uh, let me get back to the office and I'll get back with y'all. Um, so I looked into our constitution and see, hey, well, you know, what does it take to, to adopt a sport to the LHSA? And so as it turns out, we need about 20% of our member schools, and we have about 400. So that's roughly 80 schools need to say, hey, I want to participate in this, or I'm already participating, let's go. So, uh, you know, I just said, okay, and with the blessing of Mr. Bonin, let me send out a survey to all our member school principals and, and see what kind of traction we get. And if you've ever sent out a survey, you know that, you know, <laughs> hardly anybody opens them up or does anything, but uh, this one exploded. I had, you know, almost 200 principals respond and 174 of them said, let's adopt the sport immediately. And about 75 schools said, said we're already officially, um, we already have a team. It's already competing. So right then and there, just with 174 principals saying, hey, we want to adopt the sport, we're in. So um, I added it to our April executive committee meeting uh, agenda uh, to talk about. And I asked our executive committee for approval to move forward with a one-year adoption of the sport. And we got it approved. So here we are. So uh, we are well, in the works been... with. We're in the works with talking with those entities. The FLW Bassmasters has reached out. Um, obviously, they run a lot of our tournaments in the South here. So I've still got to get together with those entities and figure out uh, how we're going to pull this thing off for a year. And if it's successful, if we have all these schools participate and compete and everything works, um, then after that one-year probationary period, it could be officially adopted uh, for all time. Wow. Well, I, I guess you would have the advantage of, of, of getting some help from uh, your counterparts in other states that have already had this up and running and kind of use it as a paradigm to implement the program here in Louisiana. I mean, if it's, you know, there's no sense reinventing the wheel if it's working successfully and they've encountered all the jumps and hurdles and they've gotten through them, then it should be a lot easier for your job to actually put it together based on what's happening there. Of course, Louisiana yeah, will probably right. have different situations that will need some adjustments, but still <laughs> yeah. the, the, As we the always basics do. are there. The, yeah. the basics are there. The, the footprint's there. The tournaments are already there. Um, you know, Illinois and, and Kentucky are all part of the National Federation, so, you know, we could theoretically use their constitution and bylaws for the sport of bass fishing. And, you know, instead of reinventing the wheel, copy theirs over, use our language, use some of our, um, some of our terminology that's already involved in our handbook, and, and get that going pretty quickly um, in terms of all the, the rules for state associations. But um, it's looking good. And, you know, some of, the, some of the feedback I've had from the, from the fishing community that put on those tournaments, and, you know, they want to make sure that they can still give out um, scholarships to those kids. You know, nobody can really accept – all of our high school kids can't accept any, any money or any – you know, prizes that are above a certain amount, you know, they would lose their amateur status and not be able to compete for their high school anymore or the NCAA for that matter. So, you know, we're always trying to protect the kids in that fashion. So uh, the other state associations that do that, 
um, they do allow those scholarships um, to go to those schools. So that's kind of what we're looking looking at there because it is an expensive sport. There is a lot of money involved, and we, we do want to take care of those boat captains and those teams. So, you know, we're looking at all those avenues of how we uh, go about reimbursing some of these participants in our events there and making sure that we are making this a viable option. And then, you know, some of the other questions that come up are sponsorships. Um, as you know, with our sports, with basketball, um, baseball, and, and all the other ma- main sports, you know, we don't let the teams go out and get sponsorships to put on their high school uniforms. Well, uh, that is not the case in bass fishing. Uh, the standard is we allow those we allow those schools to keep those sponsorships. So if you're sponsored by your local Ford dealership or Toyota dealership or whatever it might be, um, you can maintain those on your high school bass fishing uniform uh, to help offset some of those costs. So, so that is okay as well. So we're looking really good here. We're, we're looking good with keeping the same model that these kids uh, participate with outside of the high school. Um, and then we're also looking at those school districts that, for whatever reason, they don't allow their bass fishing teams to represent their high school if it's not an official LHSA sport. Um, you know, the crew at Bassmasters uh, called me and gave me a little sob story about their, their kids, for, I guess from 2015, won uh, National Bassmasters tournament, got this big old trophy, and uh, they came back and they gave it to the Bassmasters guys that said, our school won't let us you know, put it in the trophy case at school. So they gave it to those guys. And I heard that story. I'm like, no, that's not right. I want that bass fishing trophy right next to that high school state football trophy. If not push that football trophy a little bit to the side and get our bass fishing tournament trophy up there. <laughs> yeah. You know, so well, we're you know, looking uh, good. Just looking we're ahead. Right some... mm-hmm. Well, looking ahead at some of the other possible challenges, you know, the, the, the football, the basketball, the baseball, that takes place a lot of times at the schools, on their fields, or in arrangements that are made with other entities for people to play there. Boy, when you're talking about fishing, you're talking about boat launches. You're talking about some serious equipment that's necessary, a bass boat, the the motors, the trailers, the uh, tackle, the rods, the reels, and all of those type of things. Have you looked at some of that on the possibility, and, and, and would the schools – would it be incumbent upon them to provide that if necessary for somebody who doesn't have it, those tools and, and, and resources, but want to participate in the sport? You know, it depends. Um, some public schools, if there's an officially adopted sport, will allocate a stipend for, to, to cover a coach or to cover some of the expenses there. But, you know, most all of our sports and sports teams, they are going to do some type of fundraise that money for that. Or in bass fishing, in this case, if they can garner a sponsorship for their team that, pro- that will provide those, you know, your local local fishing shop or whatever it might be, um, that's all okay, and they can do that. Uh, but a lot of these schools will not allocate any money to these sports unless they're officially adopted by the LHSA. So it could open up some opportunities for school districts to, to shift monies around to put it to these high school bass fishing teams so they can buy all those reels or whatever they need to uh, to purchase to be a viable team. Well, this is really exciting news, Adam. Uh, you know, a lot of times sports are used as the carrot on the stick to keep students involved in, in, in doing their schoolwork. This might even be bigger than that Absolutely. as far as somebody who goes to school and participates in fishing. From here, what do you need in terms of help from parents or students or fishing advocates who want to see this happen or even potential sponsors? What should, is there anything you need them to do or people to contact to help this along? <laughs> yeah, get involved. 
uh, get with your school, um, let them know we're getting a probationary year, have them contact the school principal saying, hey, what can we do to help out? Um, everything we do needs to go through those school principals. And so if, if everybody in their local community can contact their local high school and say, hey, we hear the LHSA has officially adopted bass fishing for one year as a trial run, um, let that principal know. We want to get involved. We've got our kids. We've got a boat. Um, I will volunteer to be a boat captain. Um, so they just need to contact their member school, their school, their school principal, and let them know that they want to help out and their kids want to participate and how do we get a team going. So this probationary year you're talking about for school year uh, twenty coming in 2019, the fall? 2019, 2020, and we're, we're looking at, um, you know, some March type of state championship. So, um, and we haven't written it all down on paper yet, but we're looking at maybe four regional qualifiers across the state, two in the south, two in the north, uh, and then one state champion championship somewhere. And, uh, and you know, we're looking at using existing tournaments or, or maybe just creating some more. It just depends on how many schools we get involved, how many boats are involved. Obviously, the more boats, the bigger lakes we need to find uh, to pull this thing off. But um, it sounds like we have the infrastructure there. Uh, we just need to identify those tournaments and, and forge ahead. And uh, approximately any idea on how many participants would be involved in, in regional tournaments? Uh, would it just be the top two from each school, or would it be a, a whole team of people? Or is so that what we'll kind of do, uh, well, yeah, what, that hasn't been decided. But what we'll do on our end is, you know, we obviously have to have <clears throat> our programmers program something into our member site system to, to show, officially show the bass fishing. The principals will have to um, register a coach some faculty member or non-faculty member that's going to be, you know, in charge of communications from the LHSA office to the school. And then they'll need to enter their um, participant roster, just like they do with any other sport. And then, you know, where we hold them accountable to the number of classes they're taking and, and the certain GPA level. Um, so, you know, they will be official just like your basketball team and we'll, we'll treat them the same way. And what will be the, the, the yardstick for the success of this becoming a continuing sport? What would the goal be? What would the criteria be after the year of probation? What would you need to see in order to adopt it on a more permanent basis? We've got to see the 80 schools fully participating, 8-0. We've got to have 80 of them. If, you know, if we only have, let's say we get all the, the noise and the generation, we have the regional tournament and the state tournament, and we only had maybe 30 or 40 schools show up in actuality, well, then it might be a little dead in the water. So, you know, we've got to have that full participation. And so really what we want to see is we want to see that busting at the seams. So we go, okay, this is a big deal. You know, and um, I read one of the surveys, I think six out of ten um, students that do bass fishing with their high school don't participate in the school in any other way. So that's a lot of kids that we are getting involved with the school if we adopt this sport fully. Yep, I think it's a win-win-win situation, and uh, hopefully it will come to pass and we'll be successful in this first year and it becomes uh, one to stay for many, many years. It's a great sport, and as you mentioned, a great opportunity to bring more people into associating and getting involved and more in the school through a very unique way to do that. Adam, thanks so much, and please keep us informed as things progress, and if anything develops, let us know. We'll be glad to pass along to the audience, and we'll continue to encourage the parents and the advocates and the potential sponsors and coaches and anybody that wants to help get this going to to contact their school principal and let it be known. You bet, and I'd love to call back in in June some some point in time and give you all an update 
I'm in the throes of state tennis. State tennis starts uh, on Tuesday, and our regional track meets are going on right now, too, and I'm the director of those sports as well. So as, as soon as I can get through those state championships of track and tennis, then I'm full on bass fishing and starting to work those uh, work those angles there. So uh, we'll have some more updates soon to come, and then I'll be reaching out to those our fishing entities out there, and I'd love to call back in. And if I need anything, I'll be able to tell you guys exactly what I need. All right. Well, you know where to get me if you need me. So and we'll be looking forward to our next visit sometime just before next school year. We appreciate you coming on, Adam. Good job. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy Easter to you all. Same to you. All right, Adam McDowell, the Assistant Executive Director of LHSAA, and we may be on some really exciting breaking ground here, the sport of fishing, bass tournament fishing, into official sports with the Louisiana High School Athletic Association. No reason I can think of why it shouldn't be adopted. We'll be right back, and uh, we're going to hear, we're going to talk a lot of turkey this morning, so we're going to hear from my buddy, the beady-eyed bird, and maybe if you're not a turkey hunter and you understand what drives it uh, and makes people so passionate about it, you'll get a better idea. We'll let the beady-eyed bird tell you the story right after this. And welcome back in. Last few minutes of our program here today. We'll be back again next Saturday morning. We start at 5 a.m. A lot of folks out there turkey hunting on this beautiful uh, Easter weekend and on into next week. In fact, I'm getting texts in from some of the people out there hunting and telling me they got birds gobbling and hoping to get them. It's a great sport. But unless you've done it and you've actually taken up the challenge of, of hunting uh, the elusive wild turkey, uh, sometimes it's hard to understand, you know, why people get so passionate about it. And I think it's because it is such a big challenge. I can't think of one game animal on the North American continent that is tougher, more of a challenge than to go out and get is uh, the wily old gobbler turkey. And, you know, what stimulated me to hunt turkeys uh, years ago, I had somebody introduce me to it back in the 70s. We didn't really have a lot of turkeys in the state of Louisiana. And they had some restocking and transportation, uh, you know, going on where they would catch them and bring them into areas that had low populations. And they kind of brought them back and uh, turkey hunting has really grown into big-time sport. It used to be it was just a small group of almost cult-like people that did it. But those that did really had a great appreciation for it. And for order for people to understand and really appreciate what turkey hunters are up against and go through, uh, this message uh, that I get every year from the beady-eyed bird kind of sums it all up. And I get a lot of requests for people that like to hear it. So here it is. The message from the beady-eyed bird left on my answer machine. Hello, Don. Please allow me to introduce myself. I am a beady-eyed bird, known by many names. I am Reason Unhinged, creator of despair. I am that which sets your pulse to race and your blood to boil. It's in my name, Don. You abandon family and responsibility. My name. You deprive yourself of rest. And for what purpose? To match wits with a beady-eyed bird. But there's no contest. Because I am an escape artist. A master of survival. One attuned to an environment of peril. Raccoons, coyotes, owls, hawks, these, Don, oh, they're my real enemies. But you, you are nothing but child's play. 
You don't think I hear you talking through me through wood, reed, or slate. Sometimes you sound so seductive, I must investigate. But I know you, and I know you, Don, better than you know yourself. So I have you wait. And wait. And wait. For you are not patient creatures. I watch. And you move. And I am gone. And I don't think there's any better description of uh, your rival, your uh, adversary in a turkey hunt than, than what he just summed up. And, uh, you know, there's nothing like getting on one that is a wise old goblin that's played the game. You know, they have different degrees. Some are tougher than others. And we came across one of those in Kansas. And I'm wishing him well. I hope he survives the rest of the season. Season just opened up there this week, and there's going to be a lot of people going after him. But... If he's still around, uh, we got a plan for him for next year, and maybe we can finally do in that one beady-eyed bird that torments me over the years. Anyway, turkey hunting, great sport, never too late to start if you want to get involved in it. Uh, there's a lot of – it's easy these days. I learned uh, from, you know, you had to go out and meet with people and demonstrate the calls. They didn't really sell a lot of turkey calls. You kind of had to make your own. And now the, the technology uh, with all the videos and the information that's out there and all the modern high-tech equipment and gear, and now there's decoys, which we never had. Um, it's just become a much more sophisticated sport, and actually it's easier than what it used to be. But uh, certainly it uh, was a lot of fun back in those days and still continues to be. Anyway, more about that. Let's see, I got a text message in from Ray Ray, one of our Alaskan Cajun invasion travelers. Uh, he says, Don, are we going to fish with you and Martha on the Alaska trip? We need to do the halibut trip. That's uh, Ray Ray. He's doing a, sea a sewer trip on the very first day. Well, I don't know whether you're going to be there the first week or the second week, Ray, but we are going to be there from Wednesday to Wednesday. So we'll have some overlapping days, and hopefully we can get on the boat with you again. Now, Martha told me she's planning on doing at least two halibut trips maybe three she really likes the offshore stuff and i'm going to do a couple of them but i don't know if i'm gonna go for three of them uh one is that multi-species that's what you're doing in seward where not only halibut but lingcod and the rock bass and the silver salmon all of those can be caught on that trip uh, the other one is over there by uh the cook inlet and, and that's pretty much an exclusive halibut trip but uh, she liked it so much, uh, I think she's going three. So, I don't know. We'll try to get with you on one of them. I don't have my schedule yet, and we haven't, you know, let Ralph know which days or, I mean, what type of trips we want to go on. He's got to fit those into his schedule. So, I don't know how he does it, but it's a nightmare scheduling. But Ralph does a great job, and we'll certainly see you up there, and uh, and hopefully we can get the fish at least uh, one day together up there. Yeah, that's scheduled for late July, last week in July, first week in August. In fact, you'll be hearing this radio program broadcast from Soldotna, Alaska, 
as you have for the last 14 years. That's that good of a trip, folks. And if you haven't made it, uh, don't take my word for it. Take your word from a guy like Ray and the people that keep going year after year. A lot of these people have gone three, four, five times. It's so much fun, and everything's done for you. If you want to find out all the details, of course, it's late for this year. I'm sure it's booked up. But it's called Cajun Invasion on the Kenai River. Go to my website, center the home page, click it on. tells you all the details, the price, the dates, what's involved, what's done for you. Uh, Ralph Crystal and his wife Tammy and uh, Dick and, and his wife uh, just do a great job up there and really make you feel at home and make sure you've got everything you need to really enjoy the trip. And come home with a, a big box of uh, some really, really choice fish that we do not have an opportunity to catch here, including salmon, lingcod, halibut, all those Alaskan goodies. All right, I wanted to mention uh, Victoria's Secret, the Amber Romance. I keep getting more and more people. They, they, the name escapes them. If you go into Victoria's Secret, you tell them you want the stuff that works on gnats, and they know there's been so many people over the years. It's the best thing I've ever found. It's, it's actually a body lotion, but... It, uh, it, it doubles as an insect repellent, a very effective one against those pesky gnats, which can be really bad this time of the year. And uh, it's kind of been going all over. They, we had it on the TV show. We did a demonstration, and people have been flocking in there. They tell me some people buy it by the case. Again, it's Amber Romance. All right, don't forget Bayou Wild TV. Uh, we invite you to watch it. Uh, got a great show airing this week. Uh, the next airing's tomorrow. Well, we got one coming up, uh, yeah, tomorrow at 8, tomorrow at 10.30, and tomorrow at 7 p.m. Then it airs again on Tuesday at 7.30. That's if you watch it on Cox Sports. Um, you know, a lot of people nowadays, TV habits are different. It used to be you had to be in front of a TV at a set time and a set date to catch a program. Uh, and some of that still goes on. But, boy, if you go to YouTube and go to BayouWildTV.com, you can actually have a Bayou Wild Marathon. You can go back. We're now in our second season. Got a full year and some change under our belt, and we have got a lot of features that we've worked on that you'll be seeing, some stuff you won't see anywhere else because we promote not just the fishing and the hunting aspect, the how-to, the where-to, but also the sportsmanship, the adventure, and the heritage and the culture of the great state of Louisiana. Bayou Wild TV, check it out. Be sure and check us out again next week here on the radio. And we start at 5 a.m. on the Big 870 WWL and our affiliate stations all across the network. And then right back here, we wind it up with more outdoors on WWL 105.3 FM HD 2. And you can also catch us on my website. And take a look at those two gobblers I got with the one shot. It's at DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com, our radio photo. See you next week. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.